Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Doug Peters, and along with me today from the Zamboni Company is Marty Elliott. Our guest on today's episode is Ryan, just the lifestyle Zamboni driver, Bell, Steve Bondi, and Aaron Student, all from Winthrop, Washington. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good day. Thanks for having us. Uh, we're looking forward to this. With the uh, outdoor rink, um, there's uh, several of those around the country. And we're uh, very happy to have you guys as a customer of our product and looking forward to talking to uh, you about this. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your facility, uh, such as how old it is uh, and when is it open, as well as maybe some of the challenges of an outdoor operation? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that. The rink opened in 2006 in its current location, but it was a natural outdoor rink. Uh, had a grass infield that was flooded in the winter and it was totally unreliable. Um, it wasn't until 2016 that we put in refrigeration. And after a season of hiccups, by 2017, we were off and running with what we call guaranteed ice for the months of November, December, January, and February. Um, we've had four great years. It's It's definitely a rewarding operation. It's very challenging because we are outside. We're in the snow country of the North Cascades of Washington State. So um, certainly our biggest challenge is maintaining quality ice and the visitor experience, but in the face of Mother Nature, who's constantly throwing snowfall our way. When are you folks open with your facility? What, what are the timeframes that you have ice uh, for skaters to skate on? Well, we open up as soon as we can the first week of November, and we operate certainly through the end of February, if not early March. And we're pretty much open seven days a week. We have different operating schedule each day, but um, as long as we can keep the snow at bay and prep the ice in time for our daily programs, we're open seven days a week for, for four or five months. I think we have a 22-week operating schedule. What intrigued me a little bit and got me to reach out to you was um, seeing that uh, you were going to be using a vinyl uh, mat or vinyl graphics for your ice. Uh, can you please explain to our listeners how that all went and one of the or the, any of the reasons why you went to that product? Yeah, it was it made a huge difference. We were able to do our ice install in almost half the amount of time as in past years. Uh, when we painted, we used to have to rely on a crew that would come over from Seattle with the equipment because we just didn't do the investment to get that stuff and and we could chat more too about you know what dealing with the paint at the end of the year was like it was all just a huge fiasco uh but laying vinyl this year man it sped up our process because it was just up to us uh the company we bought it from uh, was going to come down from canada and help us with the install but they weren't able to do that uh still we were able to get them on zoom to get some consultation and then it was just us and a crew of 10 or 15 people with squeegees uh, and we got it put in uh, it made a huge difference. And it's something that uh, hopefully your ice doesn't come out for a few more months and you'll learn about that process, what it's going to be uh, at that point in time. And maybe we can catch up with you on another podcast uh, during the summertime uh, when you're running your summer programs and learn how your ice out went. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, we're Aaron was going to jump in on that. Why don't you take that? Yeah, we're anticipating it to be way easier to, to remove uh, than the paint. I was on the crew last year uh, involving several people and pressure washers, squeegees, 
and took us many, many days to remove the the paint residue. And then we had to deal with the, the issue of where what to do with it. Um, a lot of it ended up going in the drains um, on the edges of the ice, which the facility owner wasn't too happy about. Um, we tried to find places to dispose of it. Nobody really wanted it. So um, this is going to resolve that issue. It's going to be way easier to just dry out the vinyl, roll it up, and uh, put it back in the cardboard tubes for summer storage. Great. Can you uh, explain to our listeners what some of the challenges are that you're faced with with regards to an outdoor ice rink operation as to those who have a roof and enclosed walls uh, for their rinks? Well, I was just uh, mentioning to Ryan this morning uh, the difference between uh, making ice in the cold and in warmer temperatures. Um, it it's really makes a big difference as far as how you run the ZAM and what how much water you use, how much snow you pick up. And uh, so dealing with the, the variations and the fluctuations in the weather, as opposed to an indoor ice rink where you pretty much have the same ambient temperature all the time. Uh, for example, uh, yesterday with an ambient temperature of almost 45 degrees, um, it was not only were we having trouble getting the uh, the water to freeze properly after we made the ice, but the the ice comes up with the blade um, more of, as more of a slush and less of a powder. It makes it harder for the augers to work and harder for the zamboni to pick up. Um, this morning, I think we had a low uh, in the teens, um, and I came in shortly before noon, and making ice was was just a breeze. The the snow on top was was light and fluffy and just picked up, didn't have to run run the plunger hardly at all, and then the, the, the water just froze almost instantly. So um, that, that's one of, the, one of the challenges. Then, of course, when we get when we do get significant amounts of snow, um, picking up the snow off the ice to get it to where you can even get to the surface is a challenge. Uh, when we have smaller amounts of snow, we, we do use the ZAM uh, since we have a a pretty good sized machine we're able to pick up two to three inches of light dry snow um, going slowly and dumping often um, any more than that and we have to get out our big our big bad snow blower and do a few passes with that before we even before we even get the zamboni on the ice so uh, in a big storm where we get six to eight inches uh, we might be looking at two to three people for uh, three to four hours just to get uh, the ice in the condition where uh, we can skate on it. So would you say there's an art to understanding what you need to adjust the compressors or the refrigeration system to, uh, to deal with the wide variety of temperatures that your facility is subjected to? That's a little bit of a tricky one. Yeah. Our, our compressor system, we've got it locked in at our set points are at 18 degrees uh, plus or minus two. Uh, when the temperatures change really, really cold, uh, it hardly has to work at all, right? You know, we get down into the teens and it's just, you know, barely even firing on. But then in days when we're bumping up into the 30s and here probably by the end of February, we're going to be up into the 40s uh, and that thing's having to work really hard. Uh, and then we would like to be able to be setting our uh, our set points down, you know, get them down to 12 degrees if possible. Um, but that, you know, changing those set points so frequently kind of yanks that 
that compressor system around and and sometimes it you know uh, one of the lines will bump off and and it just becomes a little bit of a challenge so this year we've been trying to work with just working with one set point at 18 and and seeing how it's going to treat us right now now that we're getting into longer days in the sun uh the angle of the sun is quite a bit steeper uh there's a section of our ice that's just going to start to get a lot more uh direct sunlight and those compressors are going to have to work really hard i'm not sure if you guys are aware of the zamboni connect product that uh, we offer which allows customers to monitor the performance and operation of, of their machine um through a software cloud-based uh, system but do you guys utilize any technology like that so that you can monitor your refrigeration system uh, while you're outside the facility? No, it's just readings directly off of the system itself. I mean, it, I mean, it's super close, and we just do a quick walk over there. Um, but no, it's what's you know the phenomenon of being outside is it's the natural uh, you know, fluctuations in temperature and snow and precipitation that uh, I mean. We're checking the weather app more than we're checking our compressors uh, because one one hour to the next, it's just such a huge swing in what the weather's doing. And, you know, the ice making procedure, what you're going to do to it changes based on, you know, that quick change in weather forecast. It sounds like you guys and your crew there would be uh, perfectly suited to handle the outdoor NHL games and the challenges that they're faced with. Oh man, we could. Yeah, <laughs> I heard you had one of those in a past episode. The fellow who 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 helps with some of those, and he was talking about rain before one of the ones. We had a downpour of rain last season where there was I don't know almost three or four inches, I swear, of standing water all over this rink, and it was right during a tournament, and we were futilely trying to squeegee it off in huge tidal waves of water. Uh, yeah, so uh, I felt some empathy for that fellow because that's a stressful, stressful stakes in the game. For those of us who are geographically challenged, which I fall into that classification, having grown up in Minnesota and uh, residing in California for the last 30 plus years, can you tell us where exactly Winthrop, Washington is located and how does one get to Winthrop, Washington? Yeah, so we are in uh, North Central Washington, which is uh, part of the the inland Northwest, um, and uh, we are 50 miles south of the Canadian border as the crow flies, and approximately 150 miles east of Seattle as the crow flies. So we're on the the opposite side of the Cascade Range from Seattle. Um, it's short distance, but it takes four and a half hours by car because you have to go over uh, at least one, sometimes two mountain passes to get here, depending on your route from Seattle. That is where we get most of our visitors from. We're also fairly short drives from Spokane, three hours, three and a half, which is on the eastern border of Washington with Idaho. Um, so being far north and being in the mountains is what gives us this wonderful winter weather where it's cold all the time and we get lots of precipitation in the winter um we're almost we're, we're technically semi-arid um we get very little precipitation 11 12 inches a year but the grand majority of that comes in the form of snow in the winter so that makes this an outdoor recreation paradise we have one of the largest nordic skiing systems in the country 
and uh, we have alpine skiing at the Loop Loop Ski Bowl and snowmobiling, and of course our favorite ice hockey. Speaking of ice hockey, have you guys had to erect a wall uh, to the north to keep all those silvers from coming down from Canada to see what gold looks like when it comes to medals and hockey play? <laughs> yeah, we're definitely rooting on Team USA. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, that must, that's got to be rough. It's got to be rough. Gold sure feels good. We, Marty, do you want to chime in here at all? I mean, I, I like to give the Canadians a little bit of raspberries every now and again, but, you know, it's that silver tone that you have to your beard. Maybe you should darken it up just a little bit to gold. I'm going to plead the fifth. Hey, one of the things I'd like to add, each of the last three years, three winters, we have had a real strong showing from folks in southern British Columbia, um, even middle and northern British Columbia. Folks come down through the border um, during a normal winter, much like we go travel up there. But really, as far as we know, we're one of the only outdoor rinks in this whole area region around here, including southern British Columbia. Yeah, the only uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in there, guys, because I know where you guys are located. Uh, the only outdoor rink that's uh, anywhere uh, near where you're located on the Canadian side uh, that I'm aware of is Robinson Square, which is right downtown Vancouver. And they uh, recently took possession of a brand new lithium ion 450. And they have uh, the same setup as you do, except for uh, they have a um, uh, uh, type of uh, roof set up to uh, keep the elements off because uh, they deal with the same uh, rain issues that you guys deal with uh, and snow sometimes. But uh, they would be uh, the closest that I'm aware of where you guys are located. That would be an outdoor type of facility. Up above Penticton, there's Apex Mountain Ski Area, and they have an outdoor rink. It's not, um, I think it's an NHL size, but it, it's it's up, it's sort of a recreation rink up at um, five or 6,000 feet, and it's totally open air. Um, I don't really have any contacts with folks up there, but that's one that I know of. Well, you're talking to Canadians, so let me know if you need a contact. I'd be more than happy to uh, send some gold down to you, plus some names. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's easy enough. We'll just send our uh, junior team up to Canada and we'll take the gold, Marty. We'll, we'll leave the silver for you boys. I think down at Clay Elam, or Clay Elam, if I'm pronouncing that uh, probably incorrectly, I think they might have an outdoor rink. And then I was just talking to somebody at uh, Suncadia, but they're they're in Oregon and they're a, I, I think they're partially covered uh facility as well but it is unique there there aren't that many there is a oval back in minnesota uh speed skating full-size oval as well as two inner ice rinks on an outdoor surface in roseville minnesota but um what you guys are doing it's great it's seeing pictures and doing a little bit of research one of one of the researchers uh, brought up a topic that i'm going to ask um are you guys really on the top 10 of ice rinks in the west by sunset magazine <laughs> You know, at one point we were, and I guess you once you're on the list, you're always there. That okay. was a promotional thing about 10 years ago. Um, truth, there was a, a top 10 list, and we were on it, and we still keep it on the website just as a good promo. It's a good hook. I think that's a good deal. How hard did you have to work to get into that top 10? Is it like Letterman's list of, of top 10 things? Somebody knew somebody. 
I think that was before all of us were on staff here, so I uh, can't answer that with a straight face. <laughs> well, you can make up a story. Uh, stories are always good. We have stories. This place is full of opportunity for stories to be made, that's for sure. All right. Do you uh, folks use any kind of skating programs such as the ISI or USFS for your programming? Um, you know, we do have a, we have a learn to skate program, and it's utilizing the U.S. figure skating learn to skate program. Um, we have a program coordinator here on staff who basically coordinates that learn to skate program and works with some diehard uh, volunteer instructors that work with about 30 to 40 students at a time. We also, for USA Hockey, is the umbrella under which our youth hockey program operates. And we have, sounds doesn't sound like that many, but 125 kids in our youth hockey program, which is about 25% more than years past. Um, and 6U through 16U, we just, it, it's one of our strongest assets here is youth hockey. And with COVID putting so many restrictions on activities uh, as an out, completely outdoor arena, we're able to continue our youth hockey program and uh, because there's so many restrictions in other places we've had a lot of increases in our participation like I said 125 kids is for us quite a few and so that's our our youth hockey program that that's a lot of people and uh, you know don't sell anything short I look at uh, you don't start with a million people you, you have to start to small and work your way up and uh, it's going to lead to a question of with the situation that we're all having to deal with for the last uh, almost a year now, um, has the COVID situation you feel brought more interest in doing things outdoors? Do you think it's uh, maybe that and or a combination of people knowing that they can skate at your facility that's drawn more interest in your programs? For sure. Going into the season in October, November, we were a little nervous because we didn't really know what to expect. Um, we did receive guidance from Washington State that as an outdoor venue, we could operate, but we did have certain restrictions in place, number of people on the ice at a time and mandatory mask wearing on and off the ice. Um, it was really quick, quickly apparent that folks were willing to travel from wherever to come to the only ice rink in the state of Washington that was open. Um, outdoor recreation is just boomed here and elsewhere. And it, it's just absolutely been amazing how many different zip codes have registered here at the rink. A couple weeks, maybe a month ago, a guy showed up for adult drop-in hockey and he had just driven up from San Jose because there was nothing from San Jose to Winthrop, Washington for him to, to join in for a hockey match. So we've been really lucky um, being totally outdoors. No one ever envisioned 20 years ago when they built this place that it would be what allowed us to survive a pandemic year. But here we are, we're, we're, we're real fortunate and we've been really, really lucky to share it with folks from all over, all over the geography, Pacific Northwest. Well, it's nice to hear a success story because it's been uh, very challenging for a lot of rinks. I'm involved with the ISI and uh, been set on several phone calls and talking to people out on the West Coast and it's been challenging and there was a new facility built in Snoqualmie uh, that purchased a couple of new machines and 
Um, very hard to see when they've spent the kind of money that they did to uh, open up a facility to not be able to have it open. So uh, kudos to you guys for being able to be open and offer uh, entertainment and exercise to people that want to come up and skate. Playing hockey in the snow can be just a magical, mystical experience when the snow starts coming down and it's it's really fun and awesome. But then when it starts snowing enough to where the, the puck stops sliding um, and we have to get out the shovels, then, um, you know, that's part of the experience. And we have about 20 wide blade shovels that we get out and it's when it's too much snow for the Zamboni and not enough time. But we never we never cancel hockey because of snow. We just keep playing. And if it snows hard enough and long enough, we uh, you, to where you can't even see where the puck is anymore. We have a, we have some big orange balls that we use, and we get those out, and we and we keep on playing. Um, I've seen people play uh, in hockey hockey and snow, you know, that comes up to the bottom of their skates and completely covering up the blades. And it's just it's part of the deal, and we love it. It brings back fond memories of when I was a kid and playing outdoor hockey in Minnesota. And there's a gentleman who lives up in Washington State. Uh, he's up near, I think he's in Blaine. Is that not where the Peace Arch is, I think, if my memory serves me correct? And he came out of Lake Placid. He cost Dave Taylor, who is a L.A. King legend, a point when he was playing collegiate hockey because he couldn't get out of the goal crease. And the referee waved off Dave Taylor's goal. That's Mr. Jay Westcott, uh, who we hope to have on a podcast in the future as well. But talked about that, how it helped. He grew up in Lake Placid, how it helped the skating. And it's great when you have the snow coming down and you're looking up at the the lights or uh, uh, the sky. We have a picture in our office that is of a gentleman who used to drive for the Buffalo Sabres when they had the game going on at the outdoor game up there. And it's just a classic photo of all time with uh, him driving the machine. Uh, with snow coming down. So I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's a great point. And it's great for the kids. Get those kids out there. Get them pushing a shovel. It'll help their skating legs so that they can maybe grow up to be a hockey player like uh, my co-host here, Mr. Elliott. Awesome. I do my best, Mr. Peters. By the way, when was the last time you put on skates, Dougie? Uh, it's It's been a couple of years now. My oldness and my fatness. If I fall down now, uh-uh. it's not uh, It's not just a little stumble. It's a life-altering event. Well, when the border's open, you're definitely going to bring your skates up here so I can get you on the pond. I bought you've never, I bought you've never, never seen you. skates as old as mine, my friend. <laughs> never seen skates as old as mine. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your non-ice season programming? Uh, we noticed that pickleball uh, is one of the options. Has that caught on and become as popular as it is uh, growing across the country? It sure has. Pickleball is just booming. And Winthrop's a little bit of a tourist town. We have a a wild west theme and we're on a couple of designated tourist routes road automobile travel routes and so we get a lot of folks that come through the valley RVers, um, summer travelers and coupled with the local population we get a lot of interest in pickleball um, when the ice is removed the smooth slab of concrete that is the base of the rink surface here. We have six pickleball courts painted on 
on the concrete surface. And so we can have fixed courts, four people per court, 24 people, and we can have a real um, hopping scene for a drop-in pickleball session. And we usually have three or four sessions per week through the summer. And really the only limiting factor is the direct sun. It can be really hot. We don't have, we don't host programs during the midday because of the heat. Um, but morning and evenings, it's, it's amazing how many folks turn out for a pickleball session. Well, and if you're unlike Seattle, where you're not going to get a lot of moisture during the summertime, uh, that's got to play well as, uh, as well. And then being north, uh, longer days during the summer. Does that help uh, with the programming as well? Definitely. You know, actually probably the only thing that really gets in the way of pickleball, we do have occasional rain, but sometimes the wind blows east side of the mountains, the wind um, pressure coming through the mountain passes will push some wind around and it's really hard to hit a pickleball straight when the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. That might help some of the people that know how to play the wind, like a golf shot. <laughs> yeah. See who knows how to uh, play with a real game face. There you go. How are you guys doing anything at all with inline hockey? Is that uh, remain popular? Or is that kind of gone by the wayside? Like uh, it was very popular years ago. And then when there was a professional league, it seemed to uh, wane a little bit. How's it doing up your way? Yeah. It's sort of a novelty. Um, we've, we have a fleet of roller skates as well as inline skates. And we have some public drop-in roller or inline skating sessions during the summer and they're they're definitely um they're they're a hit people love them not not that many folks are doing it um but as a good outdoor recreation option they've been great i think the inline skates have um for around here they've sort of caught on with some of the youth hockey players and they realize it's a good way to keep active on skates of some sort during the summer season and so this past summer, we were closed for COVID, but the summer before that, we piloted a Wednesday night um, roller hockey night, and it was basically just a sort of a stick and puck on roller inline skates, and we had quite a, quite a showing for that. That was actually a lot of fun. There's a lot of enthusiasm for it. Um, I think we'll try and do that again this coming summer, should we be able to operate our normal operating schedule. Do you folks have any unique or special events, seeing as how you're somewhat of a tourist town dependent on tourism? Is there anything that uh, would drive me to hop in my car and drive up to Winthrop during the summertime to avoid the snow and partake in something? Well, we are we are at the foot of the mountains, the east side of the mountains, big rolling hill country, lots of open space, public land. Uh, the town of Winthrop sits just sort of in the center of almost a million acres of, of uh, or a million acre watershed, about 90% of which is public land. So that is always going to be a draw, people looking for big outdoor open spaces. And right here at the core of it, you know, Winthrop and the other twin towns, um, Mazama and Twist, we're all right along the Meto River, fly fishing, um, river rafting, boating, swimming. It, it, there's the list of outdoor recreations are, options around here are pretty endless. Um, and the Winthrop Rink is right here in the town of Winthrop, um, right across the pedestrian walking bridge over the river to the downtown core of Winthrop. Do you have any festivals that are up there? Uh, you, 
Washington State to me seems to be a bit uh, wine country-ish. Do you do anything along those lines, or is there uh, something special, um, unique that is done wintertime or summertime up there? Well, summertime, probably one of our bigger festivals is fitting with the Western theme. It's called 49ers Days. <laughs> the town puts on a parade, and there's all sorts of um, horse and rider outfitters um, that have a rendezvous encampment for the weekend. That's a pretty fun summer festival. Um, there's a whole list of other um, social festivals that are put on by the chamber. Wintertime, uh, the Nordic Trail System is managed by an organization called Men Out Trails, and they host a bunch of Nordic skiing events that draw people from all over. We have a, a small, by comparison, alpine area not far from here called the Loop Loop, and they put on a in February, a alpine downhill ski race called the Wolf Chase. And then the rink is actually positioned ourselves as probably one of the biggest draws to the valley um, economically, uh, bigger than, um, well, probably not as big as Meadow Trails. But in terms of events, we have rented out ice for outside tournaments. And that, those have become quite popular. We also take pride in our three youth hockey tournaments. We call it the Great Outdoors Classic. And those are a 10U, a 12U, and a 14U tournament, one each in December, January, and February. And there's 12 teams that are invited for three days, 24 games, and it is an absolute blast. For each one, we, we take 12 teams, but um, we have about 35 to 40 teams from the Northwest and Canada apply to get in, but we can only take 12. So it's really great to gauge the interest by the number of applicants. But a lot of the youth hockey associations in Washington will arrange their entire winter competition calendar to avoid our outdoor classic tournament weekends on the chance that their teams will be admitted into those and we're really really fortunate the outdoor venue you know it's one of a kind and people really seek it out and those youth hockey tournaments see those kids in a tournament setting it's all house c league so it's a lot of um, kids that just are getting into it or um, sort of operating at that level and it, it they have a time of their lives and because Winthrop's a destination it does make for a big family affair. And that's why I say it's quite an economic stimulus to the Valley during winter months. Um, 12 teams, 15 players a team, plus families, it's, it's big business. So we're really proud of that. That's great. Now, um, a couple other festivals I can think of. Um, off the top of my head, the uh, we have a, a uh, hot air balloon festival in the spring that's very popular. Uh, first week in March, uh, the Rhythm and Blues Festival draws thousands of people in the third week in July. And then um, we also have a beer festival, a beer and food festival in the fall. Um, Steve mentioned it's a, it's a Western-themed town, so it's called October West. And that's always fun, too. There's a parade as part of the 49er f Festival. Have you guys been hit up yet to have the Zamboni be part of the parade? 
We should get some horses to pull it, Steve. I think this is a very good idea. I think we need to run with this. Yeah, that would be awesome. If you do that, put it on a trailer and have the horses pull the trailer. There are uh, lots of parades that our machines get used in and our preference uh, because they're not designed to be driven around in the summer on a hot uh, day as opposed to working in an ice rink is put them on a trailer and pull them and it gets the notoriety that way. But uh, I'm kind of surprised that uh, they have not hit you up as yet for that. All right, we're going to send you a picture when this happens. We, we could also fill the tank up with cold water and and uh, devise a pump to spray people with water from the Zamboni. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of a dump tank full of snow with cold adult beverages in it, but you guys go any direction you want to go with that uh, spraying of the water. I like it. Um, what was the first experience all of you gentlemen had with regards to a Zamboni brand machine? And I, I want to preface that by saying that we're very excited that uh, after all the years that you've been open, uh, that a couple of years ago you decided to buy our product and uh, very happy to have you as a customer. But uh, did any of you have prior experience with our machines before you came to Winthrop? Yeah, I have been. So I grew up driving. Uh, I've worked. This is the fourth rink in my lifetime I've worked at. So I grew up. Learned how to drive on a Zamboni at the Colorado Springs World Arena, where I grew up. Um, and then drove, well, in college, I was the rink manager at the University of Colorado, where we had an Olympia and a Zamboni. Uh, and then after that, I was at the Ice Center at the Promenade in Denver, where we had Zambonis. And took about a 20-year hiatus until I moved here. And my first day on the job was the day that the semi-truck showed up with our brand-new Zamboni. And uh, nobody knew how to drive the thing, and so uh, there I was jumping into the trailer of the of the of the truck to 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 fire it up. And unbeknownst to me, there's that new like safety mechanism. You know, I turn the key and it doesn't even turn over. So I called you guys in a panic, like, how do we even get this thing turned on? Uh, and then uh, so. I that's new since I last drove in 2002. Uh, so, yeah, backed it off, and, and, and off we went. Now we've probably got, gosh, I've trained. Aaron, help me out with this. How many of you guys have, we, have I trained? Are we up to 15 drivers in the valley? Uh, maybe? maybe there's 20 total? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look on the computer. <laughs> well, there's a passel. Well, that's interesting. So are you a Bob Beber disciple from Sun Bob Beber, yeah. Absolutely, I work for Bob Beber. I just had a long conversation. Bob Beber had the Friday night. Uh, the Friday night Bob skates were legendary. Where you'd start out at uh, Bender's, right above there, looking over, having some brews, and you go down and skate with Bob, and uh, he'd play the same soundtrack all the time. It always began with it was like Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then it was. Uh, it was pretty rocking for Bob, and uh, yeah, that was a, that was a great place to be. Three rink complex that's that's a solid facility i just was in there last week and had a long conversation with as i refer to him the grand master b because he likes to make soundtracks and uh bob is doing well i will let him know oh. that uh i got the opportunity and we're hoping to get him on a podcast in the future oh he yeah the problem won't get him to talk it'll be get him to stop <laughs> that's that's pretty funny because when he and I get going, as you can tell, I'm not much of a mute. Um, Bob can make me sound a bit like a mute when it comes to 
a conversation. So is there two is there two Doug Peters out there? Oh my lord. Heaven forbid. There there's Marty. I was hoping that he'd be able to get the opportunity to to jump in and 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 go after us golds down here. Gentlemen, how do you market the facility either in the ice season or out of the ice season being in a somewhat remote area that is maybe a little bit challenging to get to? Well, fortunately, the the reputation has taken off the last two or three years. Um, we don't have to market a whole lot. The only outdoor NHL size rink in the Northwest, um, it doesn't get confused with any other places around. And we feel really lucky that we are one of a kind. Um, but we also, like we mentioned earlier, we're in this little tourist town of Winthrop and both the town of Winthrop and the Chamber of Commerce, as well as Okanagan County has a group called the Tourism Council. They're constantly pumping the message of the Methow Valley and Winthrop, um, Okanagan County. That message is going to Seattle market, Spokane market, and just Pacific Northwest in general. Um, so marketing of the rink is part of a bigger marketing effort for the Methow Valley here. And we're also, we're on Highway 20, State Highway 20 that goes east to west. It goes through North Cascades National Park that's not far from here. And if you follow that route west or east, eventually you turn north and you go into British Columbia. And we have a really strong following year-round in southern British Columbia. A lot of folks look to the Metau Valley here in Winthrop for recreation and um Pacific Dice, like we said earlier, we get a lot of folks coming down in a normal year, not this year, but in a normal year to come down and skate or play hockey um, here at the rink. So, guys, I'm going to be actually in uh, uh, on the island, Vancouver Island, in April. So how far am I from uh, Squamish from you guys, or not Squamish, but uh, from the lower uh, mainland of BC? So the um, oh actually the quick quickest way to get here from Vancouver Island is uh, you take, there's a a clipper of a ferry mm -hmm. um yeah called the victoria express right out of the that gets yeah. you to yeah that'll get you to downtown seattle in about an hour and then mm -hmm. uh and then it's a four and a half hour drive over the pass from there um the other way to get here which is more scenic but um takes longer but i would highly recommend it i've done it several times myself is to take the the big ferry up to vancouver and then mm -hmm. take the Trans-Canadian Highway over yep. uh, the pass, which runs runs just north of the border. And then you drop down in the Okanagan Valley at Penticton, um, and then you can come and get to us that way. And that's about well, a that's maybe closer to a seven seven to eight hour experience. Well, I'm going to tell you guys right now, my better half and myself will be out there. It happens to be my birthday, so you guys might be celebrating, tipping a couple of beverages with me on my birthday in May. Early May. Look forward to it. Oh, bring it on, man. Oh. Bring some inlines. We'll play some puck. Oh, and I then, do uh, also inline. mountain biking around here is off the charts if you're a <laughs> if you're a biker. It's we are outdoors so many people. good trails. Yeah. I look forward to it. Definitely look forward to it, guys. Now, gentlemen, the Kraken are going to be released in September, August, September of this year for play in the NHL, uh, starting in October. Did I read correctly that they did some filming out at your facility? Yeah. So yeah. did you see their promo video where 
where they do the release, the crack, and they show one ice rink in that entire video, and it's ours. That's got to be some pretty big uh, props for you guys, I would think, to be the only ice rink that the newest team in the NHL used to promote themselves. Are you guys utilizing that to benefit? Did they uh, give you anything? Or what kind of relationship are you guys going to have with the Kraken? Well, we're building that first by just uh, a familiarity with each other. The shot that went into the release of the Kraken video was from a drone, and they were took that drone shot last winter. Um, they their ad administration, I guess, fielded a team that participated in a, an adult hockey tournament here, and so they were here. At that point, it was NHL Seattle. They hadn't turned their their released their Kraken mode yet, but um, but their administration team was here and the marketing team and some videographers and and they captured some footage here that turned into um, another video that you guys might have seen. It was on our website on our our media page, but it's a two or three minute video that highlights the adult hockey tournament that was here called the the Great Puckaroo Roundup. That's a tournament run by the Greater Seattle Hockey League and the Kraken or NHL Seattle at the time. They were here for it. And it really started a great relationship. We got to know some folks there. Um, they got to realize what kind of place Winthrop Meadow Valley is, but also the Winthrop Rink. And I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them in some way, shape, or form over time. only unfortunate thing is that our outdoor operating season is almost identical to the NHL season, so I don't think we'll be getting any NHL play over here, but maybe we'll figure something out. Do you think that having the Kraken joining the NHL next season is going to increase interest in your winter operation? Without a doubt. Yeah. In Colorado, yeah, we were working in rinks when the avalanche came, and holy cow, uh, just watching that boom before and after uh, is just remarkable. It was just a tidal wave of interest in Colorado after the Avs came. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see that, add to that in the Olympic year, um, not too far away. Uh, I mean, this valley is hockey bonkers. Uh, it's just going to get stronger and stronger. It's pretty cool. Uh, and for those of us who play, it, it's great because sometimes it feels like we got to bring the game to us and lure skaters from outside the valley to get here so that we can have some competitive games. Uh, but it's it's just really cool seeing how the culture's just taken root. Uh, and now we get a whole class of people who are visiting the valley strictly because of the rink. Like people are calling it a bucket list rink, and and it's not just. You know, they're not just blowing smoke. There's there's people who you see it on social media, uh, people saying, you know, we're featured on uh, the ODR Instagram page and people from all over the world saying that is one rink I hope to go to in my lifetime. Maybe since you guys have the full on gig, we can get the NHL to come up and actually play an NHL game uh, at your facility. How cool would that be? Dream come true. That'd be amazing. Who do you folks turn to for tips on dealing with the uniqueness that there is in maintaining an outdoor ice surface? Well, I, I usually turn to Ryan because uh, he's got more experience than I do. Um, uh, this there, this and I, uh, the first time I was on a Zamboni was last year when uh, when Steve hired me to to be a Zamboni driver. Um, that was uh, shortly 
a little less than a year after we've received the machine. So I'm a, I'm a novice. I don't have the decades of experience like he does. And I mean, there's really not a whole lot of other people to call, um, to get advice on it. You just kind of got, it's, I think it's more of a trial and error, uh, experience. Uh, I don't know if, if what, if, if Ryan has anybody that he turns to. Well, I think that a lot of it is just figuring out what the problems and challenges are, you know, small little things that I would never have even thought of. A good case in point is uh, the plunger, you know, or breaker bar, whatever you call it. Um, you know, the first year we were running the machine, that metal spring that that gives that reverse pressure on it was freezing up, getting, you know, getting water on it and just, and, and eventually it just blew, that spring did. And so, um I think you guys helped at Zamboni. You helped us uh, find out that there was a, um, a bungee cord replacement kit for it. And that bungee cords made all the difference, you know. Um, and then also just learning about how a machine interacts going from the environment of the warm Zamboni room and then out it goes onto the sheet. Um, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of snow on the ice, you might have to dump the tank two or three times just to make a single ice make. But every time you go from outside to inside you get this temperature change so we're getting like this ice flashing problem where we'd get huge coats of ice on any metal surface um, as we would go into the cold temperatures and so we figured out you know the sled for the breaker bar was freezing in place and we couldn't even get it to clear the chute so um, I figured out that we could spray Pam on it just to act as a lubricant and also to repel uh, the moisture so that the sliding mechanism would keep working. Uh, you know, just small little tricks of the trade, things like that, to figure out how to keep that machine going, because it works like a bull. It's got to work very hard um, in these tough conditions. Well, we're going to throw something at Steve to make your oper all the operator's life a little bit more comfortable. We now have a heated seat option that you can get that uh, will we'll keep your tush nice and, nice and warm. Uh, during the process and uh, we also have a cab that you could get a cab enclosure uh, so that uh, you'd be even warmer but uh, th th those are things that you can take a look at down the road possibly or maybe on the next time you purchase a new machine hey doug if i can interject. absolutely and a drink holder would be great <laughs> <laughs> that's a 650 we make up here in Brantford, ontario hey doug maybe you want to mention to them that they actually have a governor on their uh, machine i'm not sure if they know about that so every operator drives at the same speed yeah it, it, it's something that uh tricks of the trade we've got a lot of videos that uh our um, brand management team's been working on and if you ever have any questions uh don i'm sure is the one who turned you on to the uh, bungee cord. That's something that uh, we're always happy to help you guys out to uh, to learn more about the product. So don't be bashful. We've got resources like Marty, uh, myself, Don Zamboni, Richard Cassianos, and customer service as well. So please turn to us. We want to make sure that you're a satisfied customer uh, as much as possible. Um, I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit because I'm the resident foodie expert um, within our organization. And uh, would just like to know, what is the food that I should get if I come up to Winthrop, Washington? Oh, boy. The food you should get. We've got a great uh, local food movement. It doesn't exactly relate to a restaurant menu, but 
we're a great community of organic farmers and small sustainable farmers and a lot of the ingredients you're going to find on the menu are fresh and local maybe not this time of the year but we've got farm-raised pork and beef and we're, we're blessed with an abundance of food here i don't know ryan what would you say for the the item yeah. or actually i should ask aaron too because aaron used to run a pub aaron what do you think Aaron did used to run a pub. uh i think what pizza Pizza and burgers works for me. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So. <laughs> okay, you brought up the topic of burgers. Has anybody been outside of Washington State and got the world-famous White Castle sliders? Yay or nay on those gentlemen? Big fat nay. Negative. Never heard of them. Hey, Doug, I got to step in here and, and share something that's uh, more of a Canadian uh, recipe that they might want to bring into their uh, – to their community. Hey guys, have you ever heard of a beaver tail? No. no. Nope. Well, it's a French cuisine. It's, it is something that is very popular in the Canadian marketplace. Um, Google it and go to the Wikipedia because I'll tell you, if you guys bring that into your market, they'll be lined up by the dozens. It's a dessert. What? It's a dessert. It's uh, it's a um, a donut base, but what you can do to it, it's pretty amazing. And it actually looks like a beaver tail. If you guys don't have beavers in your market, Google that as well. But uh, you got to try the beaver tail. Actually, I'm sure if you cross the border, you'll be able to find it somewhere in the uh, uh, BC market as well. Going to Canada, road trip. Let's go find <laughs> this beaver tail. Has the poutine made it south of the border? Has that crossed the wall up there and made it down into Winthrop? I've heard of that. Isn't that like biscuit and gravy yeah. kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. that, French, French fries with some kind of gravy and maybe a meat. mystery meat on top of it. No meat, no meat. No meat. No, no meat. It up, boys. It's, it's a French fry. with You have to have the proper cheese curd and a proper beef gravy. That's another one you want to bring into the backyard. You'll have, oh man, we're going to Canadianize you boys before you know it. Beaver tails <laughs> and poutine. You'll be so Canadianized. You'll have you'll have more Canadians from BC coming down than you will Americans coming to your place. Seriously, we could trade. We could trade you with um with some of our beer that actually has flavor. Um, <laughs> wow. You know what? If I want to drink your beer, I'll just drink my water. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, up in Canada there, guys, in, you know, when the kids were in school, in elementary school, when you used to get milk, at least I did 100 years ago when I was in elementary school, up in Canada, instead of giving them milk, they give them beer. Well, and guys, you don't want to go on that subject because God bless his soul. My father worked for Labatt's for 32 years. So you're talking to someone that knows a little bit about the suds. <laughs> we need to carry oh, on this conversation right. in person. Yeah, gentlemen, beginning of May. It's been wonderful to talk to you guys about uh, your facility. Do you have any programs or projects that uh, you'd like to promote through this? This PC. Uh, I'd love to tell you that we've got millions of followers on our podcast. We are gaining uh, ground. We just uh, released one. I'm very proud of because I got the opportunity to talk to Kenny Albert, who's Marv Albert's son, and who was broadcasting the Minnesota Wild. Colorado Avalanche game last night. Um, but is there anything you guys would like to chat about uh, to promote about your facility? 
uh, or any uh, special things that you want to uh, let our listeners know about? You know, we take pride in the fact that we're open right now, that we're outdoors, um, and that speaks for itself. You know, one thing that we've done in the past few years, um, we hosted an event called the Apple Puck. And for four years, we invited the collegiate hockey teams from University of Washington, Washington State, um, Western Washington University, Gonzaga, and Eastern Washington University. All of them have appeared here for the Apple Puck. And we weren't able to host that this year. And in the future, we're going to try to host that event or something similar. We're not sure what, but that event was a source of community pride. It was just a ton of fun and for us, but it was also fun for the collegiate teams. It was usually after the Pac-8 championships. They'd come out here at the end of February, and it was a blast. Somehow in the coming winters with collegiate hockey, with Kraken NHL hockey, or with local hockey. We're going to keep making this place a destination and fun for folks to come and celebrate. So that's probably the biggest thing that can help us promote. Well, that's great. Gentlemen, we want to uh, thank everyone for listening into another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode, please email your questions or requests to info at Zamboni.com. For more information and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Doug Peters along with Marty Elliott wishing you an ice day. <laughs>